Well, my name's Kareem Greer. Um, 44 years old, uh, or 44 years young. Um, been going to Greystone for probably about eight years, seven, eight years. Uh, took us a while to make our way to uh, be more more in-depth or into the church. Uh, we were kind of outside for a lot of the years, and then past couple of years we really dove in and uh, committed ourselves more to, to the Lord and to church um, and made it a priority, and uh, it's really been a blessing in our lives, and just I'm so happy to be part of God's family, and um, you know, it's great. Sean has been great, um, and it's me, and my wife. I've got four kids, uh, three girls, one boy, and uh, we're just happy to be happy to be here. I grew up uh, going to church with it was me, my mom, and my sister, and we. She made sure we went to church regularly, and I was in Sunday school and. Uh, I wouldn't say I paid a lot of attention uh, as a kid. I just went and listened to the story and might have fallen asleep. So, you know, um, but as I got older, it was when I was a teenager, actually, I was 15. Uh, something came over me uh, and I actually got baptized when I was 15. And I guess the way I would put it is I think that's when the actual seed was planted. Just looking back at my past, you know, and, and knowing that he was always pursuing me. He was, when I when I was a kid and not paying attention to Sunday school, he was pursuing me. When I was a teenager and I decided to have the seed planted in my heart to, to get baptized then, he was pursuing me. And all the years up until this past summer when I was baptized again, uh, he was pursuing me all those years. He was always there. And I might not have paid attention, I might not have known, but he was pursuing me consistently every day. And to know now what I know and to to go, let the fruits blossom in me and in my heart and, and with the Lord, it's awesome to, to, to think back and know that how, how hard he was pursuing me and to, and to just take it all in now. And, and he's just wrapped his arms around me even tighter. And it's been awesome. I can't thank anybody more than my wife because she she got our family to dive in more. God spoke to her a couple years ago, and, and I know usually it's the man that leads spiritually, but in this case, my wife led our family to where we needed to be, and I helped her once she got us where we needed to be in God and in, in our religion and in church, not just on the outside, on, on the fringe part of it, but diving in deep and, and just loving the Lord. I always took the role of being a father as a, as a big priority and a big responsibility, but knowing, you know, that God gave me these children to take care of because they're his children, ultimately, we all his, we're all his children, and to have that responsibility to know he trusts me enough to take care of these kids and, and instill the right things in them, and then now where we are as a family spiritually, it's it's even better, you know, it's awesome, and it's funny because we just started a couple of days ago. We, we, we've done small groups, but we just started a family small group at home, just us and the kids. And these past couple of days have been awesome because we've been on our knees praying together. We've been talking together, and it's been, the kids are engaged. It's, like I said, when I was a kid, I wasn't engaged. We went to church, but I wasn't, I didn't have a relationship. To see my kids now already trying to have a relationship with the Lord has been awesome, and that's been the, the one driving factor that's been amazing and, 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 and it makes me just thankful. Thankful for all that, that God has opened up in our lives now that we've just surrendered everything to Him. And to see them, to hear them pray, 
out loud to to see the details and what they talk to God about. It's it's awesome. I am. Give Kareem a big hand. Appreciate him sharing his story of experiencing God. And I absolutely love how he's involved in his family and they're experiencing God together. Well, welcome to Graystone Church. Let me welcome our, our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, everybody who's watching uh, online. Today is week two in our series, Experiencing God. Uh, but before I dive into Experiencing God, I want to update you guys. We took a trip to Honduras this past week, Jennifer, my wife and I, and our son Joe and our daughter Jesse. We went down to Honduras. And we were able to visit uh, the project and the kids and the staff there of Compassion. We were super impressed with Compassion. It, it's a well-oiled machine, and we were able to see in the offices there, when we send a letter to our kids, how that letter gets to the to the child. They have 20 translators who are, who are translating all the letters that come in. The pastor and his wife live in a little apartment uh, behind the church, right behind the auditorium, a very small uh, apartment. And we were sitting back there, and I was asking him what the biggest needs of the church were. That's kind of setting him up, you know what I mean? Because uh, we're already sponsoring the kids. And he, he got to sharing with me about the water systems, how they need clean water. They don't have clean water. And so as we're sitting there in his living room, I was able to share with him, well, our church, Greystone Church, through our Christmas offering, is able to fund the water project for you. And uh, they started crying. His, his, he and his wife started crying. It was, it was a powerful moment. I wish everyone could have been there with us uh, to see it. And, uh, and then we got to meet the kids. The kids had, had a big party for us. And uh, we, did a, we did a pinata. And, and, uh, or actually, we had a party for them, right? And, uh, and then we got to go visit one of the child that we sponsor, uh, Alicia. And we went to her house. And I have some pictures here of her house extreme poverty. Uh, it was basically, she lives in, in what would be the equivalent of a small storage unit. Okay, center block walls, tin roof. Uh, the first part's the kitchen, then they had like a clothesline hanging with some sheets, and then that, there was a queen bed that, that her and her mom sleep on together. There was another clothesline, some other sheets, and then behind that were, is where two brothers slept on a bed. And then I didn't get to the back of the house but uh, Jesse said she thought there was a toilet back there and, and maybe like a playroom. And Jesse, our 10-year-old, it was so good for her to go. And, and she actually felt guilty. She, she said, she told us, she said, my bedroom is bigger than their house. And it's extreme poverty. And the money that we're given, the $38 a month, may not, it's a small sacrifice for us, but it's going a long way there. And we share with them and we share with the pastor, this is just the beginning of a partnership. And I encourage everyone to go. Uh, we're taking a mission trip this summer. Uh, Josh and Crystal Frazier are leading the trip. Maybe God would lead you to go. Maybe through this experience in God's study, he, he might lead you to go on the trip. If you don't go this year, go, go one year because it's life-changing. It's, it's, it's good to take the kids. It's good for our kids to realize how blessed we are. And they don't think they realize it. And when, the, when you go into a situation like that, I think light bulbs begin to, to go off and, and you realize how blessed we are. Well, we're in week two of the Experience in God study. Uh, last week, we looked at the reality, number one, that God is always at work around us, that God is moving, God is working. He's not just the creator of the universe. He's the sustainer of the universe. And our job as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, is to, to look to 
see where God is moving. What is he doing and how can I be a part of it? And the question is not as what, what is God's will for my life, but what is God's will? What is God's will and how can I be a part of it? Today we're diving into reality number two. And if you're taking notes, uh, reality number two is God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Do you know that you can be as close to God as you want to be? Have you ever, ever thought about that? That, that God uh, is a personal God. He's a relational God. He wants to have a relationship with everyone. He's, he's, not, he's not a far and away God. He's, he's an up-close and personal God. And we can be as close to God as we want to be. That's what this study is designed to help us do, to, to grow in that relationship with him, through spending time in prayer and spending time uh, in his word. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 38, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I want you to evaluate your life. How would you describe your relationship with God? Do do you love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength? I, I love hearing Kareem's story. And I love how he shared that even from a child in Sunday school, and we've all been there, I remember sleeping in my grandmother's church on the pew, God was continuing to pursue him through Sunday school, and then when, then when he was a teenager and young adult, and, and even now, that, that, that God never gave up on him. I'm so thankful that, that God never gave up on me. And I, and I love what you shared about you were kind of on the fringe, and then you got engaged. You really got fully committed. You and your family got fully committed. You dove in. And there's a big difference in sitting on the sidelines and getting in the game and getting in the action. And, and that's what this is all about. That's what experiencing God is about. It's not just going through the motions, not just showing up for church, but diving in, being sensitive to his leading and his guiding and his directing. I've taken several bullet points out of unit two of, of experiencing God because I want to cover as much of this as I can because I want you to experience God like I have experienced God. And so I realize there's tons of information and tons of content. There's a lot more fill in the blanks than normal. And last week I went a, a little too fast and a lot of the OCD people got mad at me because you didn't get all the blanks filled in. And so hopefully I'm going to go a little bit slower and we're going to get all, all the blanks filled in for those who care about it. Others of you might be like my son. Well, Dad, I made a 75. I did pretty, pretty good. Um, so the first point is everything in your Christian life, everything about knowing him and experiencing him, everything about knowing his will depends on the quality of your love relationship. I want to say it again. Everything in your Christian life Everything about knowing him and experiencing him, everything about knowing his will depends on the quality of your love relationship. If you want to know God's will, if you want to know his plan for your life, if you want to wake up each day and say, okay, God, what is it today that you want me to do 
it depends on how close our relationship with him is. Do you have the kind of relationship with God that you're spending time together? It's as if not only in the morning, you know, we're having coffee together and we're talking and we're doing our lesson and we're, we're doing our Bible study, but throughout the day, walking with God and talking with God and praying without ceasing and, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and being sensitive to those divine appointments and those opportunities that God gives us every day. And how many times throughout the day does he bring someone across our path and we don't recognize it? We don't recognize the opportunities that he gives us every day. A love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in your life. A love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in your life. More important than your marriage. More important than your kids. More important than your family, your friends. More important than than your dog. I know we have a lot of dog lovers and cat lovers. More important than your job, your career. More important than your health, your finances. Our relationship with God is the most important area of our lives. And it should affect all other areas. That we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Every area of our lives should be affected by the relationship that we have with God. God created you for a love relationship that is real and personal. God created you for a love relationship that is real and personal. God knows us by name. He knows the number of hairs that we have on our head. He, he knows everything about us. I, I want to read this passage, Psalm 139, 1 through 6. It says, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. Listen to this. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going in and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me, too lofty for me to attain. (laughs) Overwhelming, right? Does Does it make you a little bit nervous? That God knows everything about us. He not only knows what we do and what we say, but he knows what we're thinking and what our attitudes are. He knows what's in the depths of our hearts and he knows what's on our minds. He knows everything about us. He's a real and personal God. And he wants us to be real with him and to be authentic with him. And you look in the Psalms, they're prayers to God, people crying out to God talking to God about real things that are going on in their lives. The next point is the constant presence of God is the most practical part of our lives in ministry. The constant presence of God is the most practical part of our lives in ministry. One one of the things we say with our staff is that we want to minister out of an overflow. That it's in the presence of God that we know the purposes and plans of God. And that we minister out of an overflow of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't minister in any of our own strengths and abilities. 
but it's his power, it's his spirit, it's him living through us. We minister out of that relationship that we have with him. Our memory verse this week in, in, in experiencing God, unit one, is John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we remain in Christ, that we're tapped into the vine, he will bear much fruit through our lives. Our usefulness in ministry, our impact to the world comes from our intimacy with God. It's all about our love relationship with him. We want to stay connected to the vine. I still wear my bracelet. I don't know how many of you remember the stay connected bracelets, but I still wear my bracelet every day. And it's a reminder to me to stay connected to the vine, to to walk with God each day and allow him to minister through me. God created you not for time, but for eternity. I want you to think about this. The Bible says that, that, that our lives are but a mist, but a vapor. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow. That in this life, we're sojourners, we're, we're just passing through, and those of us who know Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. God didn't create us for time, He created us for eternity. Yesterday, I was at a memorial service, and I wanted to let our church know that, that Pastor Jeff Anfields uh, passed away this past week. He, he's gone to be with the Lord. Pastor Jeff is, is the person that we partnered with uh, in Haiti, and we're still partnering with. And I've been to Haiti a couple times uh, with Pastor Jeff, and I had the opportunity to share at his memorial service uh, yesterday. And I thought about his life, and I thought about the sacrifices that he made for God. Every time I talked to Pastor Jeff, he always talked to me about the Lord, about his family, and about the ministry in Haiti. <laughs> That's all he talked about. We never talked about sports. We never talked about the weather. We never talked about any clothes. You know, all he ever talked about, the Lord, his family, in the ministry in Haiti. And he made great sacrifices for God. And I'll never forget our trips. Uh, Jen- Jennifer and I went down there, I think it was a couple years ago, uh, with Regine, his wife. And uh, you fly into Port-au-Prince, and then you drive for six hours to the mission. It's out in a rural, up on a hill, uh, up on a mountain. So the first four hours is on paved roads, and the last two hours is on a dirt road. And we go off the paved road and hit the dirt road. And Pastor Jeff and Regina are in the front seat. Jennifer and I are in the back seat. We're in like a, a small SUV. And Jeff's driven these roads hundreds of times. So he knows what he's doing, but it's dark. It's, it's night. And we're going up the side of a mountain. There, there's no rails. We're going through rivers. I mean, we're holding on for dear life. And we get to this place. There's no running water. People, people are bathing in the stream. Uh, we saw a goat that was tied up to a, to a truck. That night we got there. The next morning, the goat's missing. The next night, that's what we had for dinner. I've only had goat twice in my life, and that was in Haiti. And Pastor Jeff was able to build a church in this remote area. He was able to build a school with 275 kids uh, in attendance. He, he would live there for months on end while his wife, Regine, was here. And we were talking yesterday about, about the the sacrifice, that he lost his life on this earth, but he's gained eternal life. 
God didn't create us for this life and this time. He created us for eternity. My heart was broken when we went to Honduras. It's hard for me to describe to you the extreme poverty. Uh, we're driving through town, and, and there's this garbage dump, and we look over, and there's this woman with her, with her two-year-old son who actually only had a shirt on, no pants, standing at the top of this dumpster, like, scavenging for food and supplies. And we had invited the, the pastor, who, who lives in a very small apartment, to our house, and hopefully they're going to come, and he's going to get to share. And, and Jesse said, well, they're going to think we live in a palace. And I told Jesse, that we, we do live in a palace, like we do. And, and you get to thinking about it, because Acts 17 tells us that God determined the time set for us in the exact places that we should live. All of us. Why is it that these kids were born into poverty in Honduras, yet we are blessed to be born into the families that we are born into and have the things that, that we have? You ever thought about that? Like, and we had, we had no choice in the matter. It's only by, by God's sovereignty and in God's plan. But God didn't create us for this life, did he? God created us for eternity. And all of these kids that we are supporting and sponsoring, they're coming to the church. They're hearing the gospel. They're hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They're going to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus is all they have. God created them not for this life, but for eternity. Now, this summer, we're also taking a mission trip to Scotland. Scotland is not poor. Okay, Scotland has plenty of wealth. It's not ministering to the least of these like we're doing in Honduras and, and Brazil. But in Scotland, they're spiritually poor. Less than 1% Christian. And if you want to learn to share your faith and share the gospel and talk apologetics, I want to encourage you to go to Scotland with us. I've got a picture here of me sharing with a the guy. They, they don't go to church. They're completely secular. They don't believe in Jesus. And that breaks my heart even more than the kids in Honduras. Because Honduras is 50% Christian. These kids are going to spend eternity in heaven with God. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. The, the people of Scotland who don't know Jesus are going to spend eternity separated from God. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? You catch what I'm throwing? So the need is great, but God didn't create us for this life. He didn't create us for time. He created us for eternity. The next point, let your present be molded and shaped by who you are to become in Christ, not by your past. Let your present, the here and now, today, be molded and shaped by who you are to become 
in Christ, not by your past. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Philippians 1, 6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's not done with us yet. He's still working in our lives. He's the potter and we are the clay. And he is molding us and shaping us. And and, and we're growing. And the goal is to grow to become more like Jesus Christ. Which ties in the next point. Is your character is more important to God than what you do. God develops character to match the assignment. Your character is more important to God than what you do. God develops character to match the assignment. So so we're to look and see, okay, where is God moving? What is God doing? How does he want me to be a part of it? He gives us the assignment, as, as we read in the book, Moses. He gives Moses the assignment to lead the Israelites out of, out of Egypt and, and out of captivity. Moses, like many of us, didn't feel qualified, but God developed his character. He developed him for the assignment. And whatever the assignment God has for each of us, God's going to develop us for that assignment. Well, how does God build our character? I want to read this poem, poem, I have trouble saying that word, poem. I'm going to read this poem, and I read it six months ago, but I want to read it again today because it's it's so applicable and, and relevant to what we're talking about. When God wants to drill a man, when God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, When he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay, which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands. How he bends but never breaks, when his good he undertakes. How he uses whom he chooses, and which every purpose fuses him, but every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. You know, when God breaks out that chisel, and he begins to to chisel away and chip away at our lives and our character. And he is molding us and he's shaping us into the man of God and the woman of God and the person of God that he wants us to be. It doesn't feel very good. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had a a chisel put to you, but it doesn't feel good. It says in, in he, Hebrews 12 that God disciplines those that he loves. And no discipline is pleasant at the time. It's actually painful. But God does it because he loves us. It's about a love relationship with him. 
And he is molding us and he is shaping us and he is making us into the person of God that he wants us to be. That we are potter, we are, we are, we are clay in the hands of the potter. And he is shaping us and making us into the person that he wants us to be. There's this story of this artist who, who lived in a neighborhood, and one day this huge delivery truck comes on the back of a big flatbed, 18-wheeler, this huge block of granite. And they back it up to his house, and they, they unload it into his garage. And this little boy comes by, and he, he says, what are, what are you going to make out of that granite? He says, well, you just, you just wait and see. And they had it, they had it covered up. And months and months and months went by, and the little boy kept coming by and coming by and coming by. And he finally asked the artist, he said, are you finished? He said, yes, I'm finished. And he said, well, can I see the artwork? And he said, yeah. And so the artist pulls the sheet off of the block of granite, and it's this this beautiful carved lion. And the little boy looks up at the artist, and he says, how did you know that lion was in there. (laughs) And I think about our lives. And God breaks out his chisel. And he begins to chisel away at at our lives. And he begins to take out the sandpaper and and smooth off the, the rough edges. And we begin to grow in our relationship with him and become more like Jesus Christ. And other people look and they say, how did you see that pastor in that block of granite? How did you see that church planner in that block of granite? How did you see that Bible teacher in that block of granite? How did you see that worship leader in the block of granite? How did you see the elder in the block of granite or the children's pastor or the prayer warrior, or the generous giver, or the godly mom, or the Christian businessman. God sees what we don't see. He knows everything about us. (laughs) I love that verse where he, he hems us in on both sides. He knows our coming and going. And he orchestrates... The families we were born into, the times that we live, the places that we live, the relationships that we have. And he molds us and he shapes us into the person of God he wants us to be for his plan and his purposes. Can I get an amen for that? That's good preaching. All right, the whole backside, this whole backside here, I've run out of time. So, all the verses are there. I know a lot of people like to try to figure out what the fill-in-the-blanks are before I say what the fill-in-the-blanks are. So, I want you to do this on your own for further study. Uh, Maybe we'll put it on a podcast or something. There's just too much information to cover. Reality number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. None of us pursued God on our own. He pursues 
us. He loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. But every single one of us is sinful and separated from God. We've all made mistakes. Nobody's perfect. And God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. To pay the debt for us. He died in our place. And it's his blood that covers our sins. And it's his blood that washes us as white as snow. We don't get to heaven through being a good person. We get to heaven through our faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross for us. On that Thursday night that Jesus was betrayed, he had his last supper with the disciples. And he instituted for the church the Lord's Supper, one of the two ordinances of the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And and the bread is symbolic of his body that died on the cross for us. The cup is symbolic of his blood that was shed for us. And so we're to remember Christ crucified. The Lord's Supper is a beautiful illustration of the gospel. Everyone is welcome to come to our family table and celebrate the Lord's Supper with one condition what we talked about today, you have a love relationship with God. And when you come to the table, you're making a public profession of faith, just like baptism is a public profession of faith. Everybody who comes to the table is saying, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I know him, and he knows me. And so the band's going to come out, and we're going to have a time to remember Christ crucified and what he's done for us. So let me pray for us, then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. God, I thank you that you are a loving God, you're a personal God. And you love us so much that you've pursued us all of our lives. Even some of, us, some of us who are prodigal children, you didn't give up on us. You ran to us and you chased us down and you pursued us and you brought us home. And you brought us into your family and into a relationship with you. God, as we take of the Lord's Supper today, we want to thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for all the pain and suffering you went through on our behalf. God, we confess our sins to you. We confess our sins of pride and selfishness, greed. God, I think about all we have here in America compared to those kids in in Honduras and how we take it for granted. We thank you for what you've done on the cross for us. We thank you for pursuing a relationship with us. And we remember you. And we thank you for this relationship that we have with you, an opportunity we have today to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.